I don't think you can get a better representation of awakening our love, awakening the love of God in us, um, than having a testimony um, of somebody whose love is being awakened. And that's awesome. And I love our, our symbol here, just the leaf. That's the growth, right? Anybody seeing growth in their gardens or on the trees today? I was over uh, at, our, at our brother and sister's house, Pete and Michelle. It was their son's birthday yesterday. And he had an avocado tree that I was jealous of because it's starting to, you know, it's coming up. And then he's got the orange tree and the lemon tree and you see that growth. But what happens if that grows and it gets really big, but, but there's no fruit? You, you get, we, we have to get to a point, right, where, where we are growing in such a way that, man, we get that fruit and the bundles of fruit and the bushels of fruit and all that, and it's just so good, especially avocados, because those are nice. Um, <laughs> uh, and I just, I love that, because I know for me, when I grew, is when I was sitting there with the um, 60-year-old head of JPL that put the Hubble into space, and then his oldest son, his middle son, and his youngest son, who was younger than me. And we had this small group, and it was just us. And it was crazy. It was awesome. Because here's this guy that I just totally looked up to. We would do these family camps, and there's nothing like an astro... um, What do you call it? Astrophysicist. That's what he was. He was an astrophysicist and mathematician explaining the stars at family camp to all these kids. And I was one of those kids. I was like, whoa, you know, this is amazing. And, you know, he actually worked at JPL and NASA and... And I, I was in this group with him, and I just remember thinking, you're just like me. You're just like me. Of course, you're a lot smarter, but you, know, but, but, but you struggle in this journey just like I do. And that was revolutionary for me. Huge. And so today, what we really want to talk about, because I'm excited, um, a little more so than normal. So first of all, because it's the Lord's Communion Day today, and I love taking communion with you all. Um, but secondly, we're really unveiling, again, this is the Grow 2.0, and we talked about the discipleship class, and, and we have some awesome stuff happening that's really soon. One of the things that we're having uh, next week, which I'm hoping a lot of you will be able to be at, uh, is our Connect class. And what that is, I don't want to scare anybody away. I don't even like calling it class, because I don't like class. Um, I don't have much class, first of all. Uh, I, I pick my ear with my fork sometimes, things like that. So I don't have a lot of class. But, but this is more of just a, hey, if you call this your home, we want you to, to be a member of, of our home, a family member, a brother and sister who, who's committed to this family, to this church. And what it is is we're going to talk about who the CMA is. Many of you don't know that we're a Christian Missionary Alliance church. Um, and I would love to just explain what that means. And, and, and it's not weird, even though it's called Alliance, because um, some people are like, is that like the Rebel Alliance in Star Wars? Is a little bit, kind of, not really, but um, <laughs> a little different. But, uh, but I would love to explain it because I love our denomination. A lot of people don't know that we give five times more than any other denomination of all denominations to missions. We're at the top and we're a small denomination. And for us to say that as a, as a, as a church, I think is huge. Because what that says is we put our money where our mouth is. We don't just say we love people, we show we love people. And that's what is so awesome about awakening our love. And that's what we want to do in our groups because we want to grow. We want fruit. We want our faith to be planted firmly by the rivers of water as it says in Psalm 1. And we will not go out from there. And our fruit and the tree will grow as it talks about that beautiful picture of Psalm 1. And, and, and we just have that amazing rootedness in the Son of God who gave His life for us. And I just love that because that's the picture, right? Things are going to happen. I don't know if you've lived longer than a day like me. There's been storms, right? You've seen some storms in your day. Yeah. 
We had a doozy the other day, and I know Forest Home, I was talking to some of the Forest Home people. They had a big doozy, lost a bridge, lost all that stuff. You know, that's life, isn't it? Life comes along, and it blows, and it rains, and it just... And sometimes you can honestly say, this, this stinks. This stinks. But God is so much deeper as we root ourselves in Him. And that's what it is about growth. And I want to talk to you today about this growth. And I think a big part to understand that, it's a little side note, but if we, um, if we need to, let me just start over. A big way to understand the New Testament, in fact, a lot even of the Old Testament, it's written to a group. We forget that the New Testament is also written to a group. It's written to the church. It's written to believers, plural. And in fact, when you look at the U's written in the Bible, and I don't mean just the big you know, letter U, I mean the Y-O-U, um, what would really be proper, if we're going to take the second person uh, um, understanding of those words in the Greek and how it's written, it really, for anybody in the South, anybody ever like, been out in the South or something, this is something to understand. It really means you all. It's you all. So when, when Paul is talking, he's like, you all. It's not you personally. And I know for me, when I was growing up in the church, I, I really, I would read my Bible and it would say you, and I would think, just me, Chris. And I would forget that actually what it was saying is you and the other guy you go, that you need to be a part with there, and, and the older guy that works at JPL, and you all together. And so when we read passages like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, no temptation has seized you, you all. See, no temptation has seized you all. That is not common to you all. And so when I read that, I thought, man, I struggle. And this is my struggle. No, I've missed it. This is our struggle. Because when I struggle, you struggle. When you struggle, I struggle. And see, the first church got this. They understood. They didn't have to get up and say, hey, you should probably get with other people. <laughs> it was just a, it was a common thing. You had to get with other people because you probably couldn't read or you couldn't get there. In fact, the first church for hundreds of years had a saying, if you have a full pantry, there's probably a brother or sister that doesn't have anything. And, and we need to give that out. And one of the greatest passages, and if you guys are doing your study notes um, during the week, it's Acts 4 where it talks about the church getting together. Yeah, they came together for the sermon, but they got together for the breaking of the bread in homes. And nobody was in need. Nobody wanted. Because those that had, gave. Those that were suffering, got prayer. Those that were struggling, were lifted up. That's grow. And I think what that, that's what I really want to take you on today. We're going to look at a passage in the book of... Um, Luke, and, and there's some great stuff in here, and I'm hoping that as we go through this, you guys will really see, um, as I need to see, that we're all together in this. And that when we are traveling on this road of life, which we are, some of us are a little more hunched over, have a little more gray hair maybe, or like me, no hair in the back. Don't worry, I know, it's okay if you want to point it out. I used to work with junior hires. They pointed it out every day. Oh, and they also said I was fat and ugly. So that was always fun. They, You're fat and ugly. Thanks. Love you, junior hires. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's, we're all different. We're all on a road. But we're on that road. And this is the thing that I want to explain to you really quick before we get started. Is theologically, there is one way to heaven. Jesus Christ. Theologically, that is good theology. That is good understanding of what God has sent to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. But we mess this up because once we get to know Jesus, my path is not your path. And so to some extent, there are many paths through Jesus to heaven. 
See, my path and my struggle is different than your path and your struggle. But we're all on this together. And when we understand this and when we walk together, there's huge power in this. And by the way, some of you need fruits of the Spirit. And in that understanding, when he says the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying you all. He's not just saying I have every fruit. No, maybe Larry has a fruit that I need to benefit from. You see? This is where we're going to go today. So I'm super excited about this because it's two brothers walking on a road and Jesus just shows up. I love that. Because Jesus loves to show up and just blow our minds. It's awesome. So everybody stand up as we read this, all right? This is good stuff. Because God, as we're going through this, I hope this is the question I want you to ask. Am I walking alone? Or am I walking as God intended for me with others? Am I walking alone? Or am I walking with others? Now, Luke 24 goes like this. Now that same day... Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, but seven miles from Jerusalem, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now the crucifixion has just just taken place. That's the weekend where everything hit the fan. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. You could just see them just stopping, like, wait. Their faces downcast. They were sad. They were incredibly sad. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Basically, where you been, bub? (laughs) How do you not know this? I love Jesus. What things? (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, duh, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And the subtext there is, but it's women, so we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> I'm not being kidding. This is probably how they, this is what they would have thought. So then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Okay, so it's getting a little more tough here. So he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Oh, I wish I could have been there. (laughs) As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. That's seven miles, by the way. (laughs) They there found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, you may be seated. This is crazy. 
This is awesome. I, I, when I look at this, it's like one of those moments in history where you're like, like I said, I wish I was there. Because how cool is it that just Jesus shows up and he just does what Jesus does, right? He, he just kind of pokes and prods just enough to really get them thinking, to really get them going as they're walking. Now, this is an interesting road. It's actually the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about seven miles. And I, I don't know if we have that, that, that slide. It's, it's really, it doesn't look that far. And I don't know if you know this, but Jerusalem is only a square mile big. It's like 25 acres. It's not very big. Jerusalem is not a very big city. And so from here to Emmaus is about seven miles. And these guys, they would have walked it. Because that's really the only way you could get from one place to another. If you had a donkey, you were really something. It's like the Mercedes of the Middle East, the ancient Middle East. Okay? You were, you were good if you had a donkey. And typically, though, the donkey would hold things. You didn't really get on it. It would just hold stuff. Because if you ever tried to ride a donkey... There's a reason why we don't have the Santa Anita donkey races, right? Okay, so, you know, here, here, here they're walking, and, you know, they're in shape, but they got the sandals and stuff, so we're talking a couple of hours at least to get from there to um, where they're going, you know, to Emmaus. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that they're just walking, and you can almost see them, probably they're talking, and they haven't had a lot of time to talk. Because all this stuff's been happening. You ever been in that way? It's kind of like today when you get into a movie and it's really good. And someone starts talking, you're like, shh, I don't want to miss it, right? I, I love my father-in-law, but he has the darndest way of talking during the middle of movies. But if you talk while he's watching, he's like, hey, shut up, you know? He gets mad. He's like, but you talk all the time. It's funny. Anyway, so he, so it's like, man, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. And so now, it's like after the whole thing. Everything's happened, and they're walking, and they're going, wow, what the heck? What just happened? And you can almost see them just both walking together. And they're probably not rushing. Because when you're in despair, and you're despondent, and you're sad, you're not like, hey, I gotta, you know, you're doing that thing. You know what I'm saying? You're not doing that. You don't have a light step. You're heavy on the foot and trod, and you're just, you're just walking. And you can see these guys. They're just going, and they're going to home, and they're done. They're done with it. Because Jerusalem was the place where Jesus was to show up and redeem Israel. And he was the best prophet they had their hopes in. But he wasn't God, was he, to them? You see, the interesting thing is, they didn't, they heard, they saw, but they didn't have it transform them. It just wasn't transformative. And so they get to this place where they're, they're walking together, but they just don't have Jesus, do they? Because there's a difference, isn't there? See, growth always happens when God's story intersects our story to give us a better story. See, a lot of times we want our story to be the better story. But the truth is, our story is nothing compared to the story that God wants to intersect our story with. Because that's the better what I love about the book of Hebrews is when you really look at Hebrews and you sum it up in the book of Hebrews is you have the author talking to the Jews saying, Jesus is better. See, we have all these great things and we have all this good stuff and it's not like it's bad, but Jesus is better. And so what we have in this understanding is that, yes, you have a life and you have a choice. And like Joshua, before going into the promise that said, choose this day whom you will serve, will you have your little story or will you choose God's big story because his story was made for you and it's better and that's what makes all the difference when we intersect with that 
So what's interesting about the history of this is we know one of them is Cleopas. He's actually um, referenced in this story. But he may be the one that's mentioned in, in John 19.25 where we see also um, Mary, now not Mary, the, 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 the son of God here, um, mom, but Mary, because it was a common name at the time, um, her husband was probably Cleopas. And, and so we kind of have this understanding. And, and Eusebius, the, one of the, the, the church historians and just a historian of the day, he, he referenced the church a lot, talks about this other, um, that we think the other guy was, who was Simeon, who ended up becoming the head of the Jerusalem church. If we had that, that pick, you know, going back to Jerusalem, became the head of the Jerusalem church in the third century. And so why do I bring all this stuff up? Because this is not just a story, it's history. These are people's lives. These brothers are walking, they're talking, and they're living. I think sometimes I forget that. I don't know about you, but I forget it. I, I, I love talking to people about their stories, and that's what I love so much about groups, grow groups, and just getting together. Because everybody has a story, everybody has history, and who we are is a lot of times that sum of the history. I pray for a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of bad history affect our, our present, and definitely affect our future. See, we are the sum of what we've had before us. And a lot of times we forget that Jesus intersects into our story. Why? Because he wants to give us a better story. He wants to redeem our story. And this is what we see when Paul says, I don't look back. He doesn't say, I just forget about it and I ignore it and I just push it away and say it never happened. No, he's saying in the Jewish understanding of God, the Savior, the Son of God, redeemed my history. He redeemed my past. He's come into my past and I've seen where he was and what he did. And when I did horrible things or horrible things were done to me, I saw Jesus and what he was doing during that time. And that's huge. That's huge. I remember talking to a brother and uh, it almost brings a tear to my eyes. Why am I such a baby? Um, <laughs> he, saw, he saw his dad kill himself right in front of him. It's five years old. And he remembers getting the keys to the truck that had the gun in it for his dad. And for many, many years, he struggled with his walk. He wasn't a Christian for a long time. And the reason why? Because he thought this history really, really marred him. His dad was a drug addict, so he became a drug addict. And I just remember praying with him. And I remember that moment when he saw Jesus by the truck when we were praying. And the Lord showed up, intersected his story and showed him something he'd never seen before. And it made all the difference. People, brothers and sisters, we need Jesus. He needs to intersect our story. He wants to intersect our story. We're walking, we're despondent, and you know what? Things happen and Jesus wants to show up. This is why we're here today. And I want you guys to see this. Growth always happens when God's story intersects our story. See, they were hoping that, that, that this Jesus would act upon the world in their way. I think we've all been there. There's many times I say, God, can't you just do it my way? Because I think I know what I want. I don't want to live in a trailer right now. And God, I could really serve you if I was living in the house that we hope to get. And God, if you would just do this, then I think it would be a lot better. Right? Aren't we like that sometimes? Yeah. 
Lord, it would be so much better if we just had this. See, Lord, if, if you just did this for my spouse so they weren't such a creep, I could really love them. And I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll serve you more. If we get, you see, and we want God to come in and, and, and make our story what is the most, most important story. And we really believe that that's the way. Lord, if I just won the lottery, come on. I mean, we could, we could just do so. You get what I'm saying? And that's the funny part, but, but there's so many different parts. I remember just saying, Lord, why did I have the past that I had? And sitting with that kid that I was talking about earlier, why, Lord, did this happen? If we only didn't have that, if our story was more about what we wanted, then maybe we would be better. But God never comes in and says, hey, I'm just going to, like, you know, with, with the wand or pixie dust and sprinkle and everything is, is better and roses. No. But he comes alongside and he redeems it. And he not only comes into our story, but affects our story for that better purpose. And our story becomes massive as we enter into God's story. You see, God never intended to send Jesus to make our stories better. He sent Jesus to give us a better story. Do you get that? You see, God never sent Jesus to give us a better story. He sent Jesus to make our stories better. It's Jesus' story that intersects and makes all that difference. Now, we can get together in groups as much as we want, and we know that it doesn't matter unless Jesus is there. All I have to do is say, look at the world. We got a lot of groups. Is anything getting better? No. I've been to a Little League baseball game. There's a lot of groups. It doesn't always get better. <laughs> I dare say families without Jesus. It might work for a little while, but ultimately it's not really getting better. See, families will eventually break apart, organizations will crack, governments will topple, all without Jesus, who is bigger than our limitations and our problems. See, he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The word here for foolish is an interesting word. It's anaatos, okay? Anaatos is, is, is an interesting word. It doesn't mean like, like the fool, like, oh, you're such a fool. It, it, it's, it's an interesting word, but it basically means somebody who has a distorted perspective. It's not a God perspective. It's just a worldly perspective. It's kind of like, have you ever been in the car and you're driving and you swore you looked like three times, but somehow there was a blind spot and you missed that car and, and, and you almost, I'm sorry to say, but messed yourself and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? You just got so scared. You, you almost had to pull over and go, Lord, I almost died there. You know, because you didn't, you looked. You did all you could do, but you didn't see it. It's like my brothers who, you know, I've seen many times and they come in and they got that huge piece of broccoli right there. Even though they looked in the mirror and it's like, dude, did you know you, what? I totally, you know, it's just the way it is. You got that mustard saying on your shirt that never comes out until you go into the black light. You're like, what? I did, I, I had no idea. It's, that's the understanding of the foolishness here. You didn't have the perspective. Because you can't. You tried, but you didn't see it because you need a perspective outside of yourself. That's the understanding of foolish and slow here. This is why we need to be in a group with Jesus. His perspective is bigger than our problems. His perspective is bigger than your problems. His perspective is bigger than my problems. I, I don't know how you guys had it. Some of you are married, some of you aren't. I don't want to scare away the non-married people here. But when Kim and I got married, 
it was a horror a little bit. Loved her. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. We've been together 15 years. I mean, yeah, you name it, amazing, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But our first three years were super hard. They were really, really difficult. Mainly because we're both two stubborn people. That, that's a part of it. We just are. But we also had a lot of history that came in. And when you put two people with history and you're trying to make a new history, it, it, it just gets gross sometimes. <laughs> Can I just be honest? It's, it, it's gross sometimes. And we went to marriage counseling with our pastor and we did all these things that we tried and it was, and I remember finally we joined this one group at our, at our church and this was back in Glendora like years ago. And it made all the difference. Because there were these people that were a lot older than us, some of them younger than us, and we started seeing things from God's perspective. You see, Jesus showed up in my friend Tim. Jesus showed up in my wife's friend Felice. And it was like Jesus was saying, have you thought about what happened here and why? And was just drawing these things out of us. And as we met, we became so much more understanding of what God wanted to do in our life, which was all the difference. We're not called to be lone rangers. I hope you get that. See, our goal for this church, and this is why we have grow. We don't only want to connect with you. We want to see you grow. If we have 100 people here, we want 100 people in grow groups. Because that is where we can truly be planted and understand. And get that perspective that we can't get from our problems in the day, in the present. Unless we see Jesus and he meets up with us. See... We stopped looking at our marriage from our perspective and started seeing it from Jesus' perspective. And let me just say, it's like, I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has seized Kim and I. That's not common to Tim and Felice or Jim and Sherry or whoever was at that group with us at that time. You see, and it was like, oh yeah, there's more to this. And I know you struggle because, by the way, you're just like me. Slow. <laughs> and you're a human being. And I know there are issues going on in your life. That's why we're here. I need to meet with you. Not just for your sake, but for my sake. My family needs brothers and sisters. We need each other. And that's making all the difference because Jesus guarantees growth. I love Matthew 18, not just because it says, hey, when you got somebody who's blowing it, go up to him and talk to him because there's a really good way to, of understanding here. But in Jesus 18, we forget that part where he says at the end, he says, hey, when there's two or three gathered amongst you, there I am. So he says, he says this, I also tell you this, if two or three agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will give it to you. Did you, did you catch that? I, I also tell you this. If two or three of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. I don't know about you, but I need to ask a lot of things from God in my own personal life. And I need brothers and sisters to agree with me. And not agree with me because I say it, but agree with me because God says it through them. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among you. We need Jesus, don't we? 
But what a guarantee. That's a stamp of approval. That's saying when we get together and we are seeking the Lord, He shows up. He can't help it. You see, when we're getting together and you're saying, I need prayer, He can't help it. He has to be there. And not because we He comes kicking and screaming and we've lassoed Him because we got two or three people in our lasso and we're pulling Him in. No, He's like, oh my gosh, they're getting together and they're asking and I want to be there. I want to be there. And Lord, as He intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, is saying, my brothers and sisters need us. And they want to grow and they want to go. And that's what it's all about. My wife and I have been married 15 years, and I'll tell you, it is so much better today <laughs> than I wouldn't trade it for the world, going back to that first part, just because I was so dumb. I was so dumb. She was perfect, but I was dumb, okay? And I didn't see it until people really shared it. But where are you struggling? Maybe it is in your marriage aspect. Maybe there's things that are going on or not going on, and you just need to, you just need to see that that we all get tempted in the same way. Or maybe it's the lack of relationship. And you need God's guaranteed perspective. You need His presence. Maybe it's in your job. I hate jobs sometimes. <laughs> I hate them. I don't ever want this to be a job. Now, it is a lot of work. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But that being said, we all struggle. And I don't like it when people make fun of me. I don't like it when people are mean. I don't like it when people do stupid things and I have to, and then I act stupid and I do dumb things. And, but you know what? I've been there. I still get there. And when we meet together, Jesus guarantees His perspective and presence. These brothers on the road to Emmaus needed to see Jesus, and so do we. You see, growth also comes by hearing Jesus, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. When you open that Bible, that is the flesh of Jesus. That are the words of Jesus. Those are the words that it says, it says he, he exhaled, and out came the universe, the cosmos. Everything we see, touch, and experience comes from that communal God who wants to see it grow. And Jesus walks them through their history. You know, these are good Jewish boys. You don't become the leader of the Jewish church in Jerusalem, the Jewish Christian church, if you, were, if you probably weren't a good Jew <laughs> at one time. Here's a good Jewish boy, and he doesn't get it. I mean, this is their history. They walked. I mean, the Shema, the great Shema in Deuteronomy 6, his parents probably walked him along every day and said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And we wrote that on the hearts of the kids at the time. And they understood the scriptures. They knew what was said, but they completely missed Jesus. And he comes along and he reveals himself. He probably pointed out that he was the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised in Genesis 3. The blessing of Abram to all the nations. The high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The man who wrestled with Jacob. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The Passover lamb. The prophet greater than Moses. The captain of the Lord's army to Joshua. The ultimate kinsman redeemer to Ruth. The son of David who was the king. He had a king greater than him. The suffering savior in Psalm 22 and the good shepherd of Psalm 23. The wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of Song of Solomon. The savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. And the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never ever end. You see, they knew this. 
They knew these scriptures. I mean, backwards and forwards, if they were good Jewish boys, they probably had a lot of them memorized. And they're going, oh, oh, oh. See, he was just a prophet when they were in Jerusalem. As he's marched up to the cross, they're going, oh, man, we thought he would redeem Israel. And he's sitting here telling them, I'm for the world, not just Israel. In fact, this is God. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, who his own people would look at and say, well, well, that can't be God. He's kind of ugly. That's literally what it says in Isaiah 53. And he points it out. He revealed the story of their past and intersected it with their future. Jesus is never about information. Please understand that. He's about transformation. And if God doesn't awaken us in his love for transformation, then we're missing it. This is why we get together. So that our souls will come awake in Jesus as he walks amongst us and as he puts his arm around us through the brothers and sisters of which we need it from. I can't do this alone. And I know on a Tuesday night, the women you, you saw from Beverly, that's awesome. I love that. I love it. Because what I see is just people who are connecting. And I know on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 or 6 to 8 or something, they, they meet and they talk and they share. They go through the word, but then they let the word go through them. And isn't that what means walking with Jesus, letting the word go through us? I know the days and the Ashleys, uh, uh, Mark and Adri- Adrienne and, and, and Kim and Jason, they're going to be having a, a grow group on Tuesday nights two blocks down from here, right in the middle of Redlands. And they're going to probably have childcare and everything in between. And if you need a group, awesome. I know the Ashleys, Dick and Becky, they're going to have a group right here and it's going to meet for, for like 9 to 12 weeks, something to that effect, talking about marriage expressly. I needed that years ago. <laughs> I needed that years ago. And, and you know what? Some single people probably need to go to that right now. Yeah. It's okay. You can learn some things. Jesus is going to be there. And they're going to be meeting on a Thursday night, starting in April. I, I have the privilege to start a, a grow group with the Clarks, Brandon and Carrie. I don't know if you know this, but they're awesome. We have a lot of awesome people here. A lot of awesome people. And I can't wait. Because I need that in my life. I, 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 we sat there and had dinner and I said, I need this. We just want, I, we need it. My kids need it. And, and we're just going to say, anybody and everybody, you can come. And the goal is that we get so big, we have to say, darn, we need more grow groups. You can be one. You can start it. You can have it in your home. And you know what? We're going to just go through a lot of the grow groups. We're just going through the, the material that's already in the sermon thing, talking about the sermon and the scriptures that are there. But really what it is is saying, I'm struggling this week, Bob. I'm struggling this week, Jane. Can you pray for me? You know, maybe it's as simple as, I don't have much food. And you haven't been able to say that to somebody for a long time, but you need to say that because your cupboard's a little bare. And we're going to say, of course. That's why we're here. Maybe it's, I've got a friend and he doesn't want to go to church because that's like putting somebody in front of the big cannons. They don't want to walk through that door. They're scared. But can they come to my grow group and hear and see that Christians aren't freaks? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what happens with my kids in youth group and Awanas. 
My kids get the privilege of helping in Awanas and they love it every time. Sometimes, you know, they're regular kids. They're kind of like dragging their feet. Oh, I don't want to go. But, but when they come out after 8 o'clock, they're like, that was awesome. I did this and I did that. And it, it was, ah, like, wow. It's like there's a guarantee from Jesus. See, if you can put it, be a part of one group, no more than one, please. <laughs> we don't want to enable you to be a Christian busybody. I will fire you. That's a promise. No more than three things throughout the week. And Sunday's one of them. <laughs> I don't want you to be so involved because I will fire you and say just have, have one grow group because you, you don't want to be everywhere. You want to be focused on one. God wants to focus His attention and His guarantee on you and the growth that He has. One of the best things we can do together as a community is have communion. You see, we come together as a community and we say, we say, hello, how you doing? I'm fine. But you really can't do that when you're having communion with God. And you're not. It's easy for me to kind of look you in the eye and say, I'm doing great. And behind me is really hurt and pain. But see, with God, you can't get away with that. And so the community is that first barrier and that block. And when we get together, we need to be a little more honest, but definitely honest with God in our communion. And that's where it breaks down. Because honestly, what we have is we have a God that was so honest with us, He sent His Son to die and give His body that was broken for us. You see, when He met with those, those boys on the road to Emmaus, you know, he, they, they, it was awesome because here's God, by the way. He's got a busy schedule. <laughs> right? He's got a busy schedule. And they plead with Him, Hey, come on. Come on, come on inside. We want to eat bread with you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's ready to go, but they plead with him. And he's like, sure. Because when you say, I want you close, God, he says, I can't help it. I got to be there. And he breaks bread with him. You see, God wants to break bread with us. He broke his body so that we could break bread together. And I love seeing a multi-generational, multicultural church. I want more of that. We're not a white church. We're not a black church. We're not a Hispanic church. By the way, you get to heaven, there are no sections. Uh, where's the Swedish church? But of course, I'd have to be split in half because I'm 50% whatever else and 50% Swedish. So I'd say, no, that's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. One of the saddest things I've seen today is when people take the church and they make it this segregated place that has never existed. And that's the great mystery that Paul talks about how he could take all these different people and put them together and learn. And this is a generational thing too. There is so much wisdom from the gray hairs. I need to hear it. My kids need to hear it. We need to hear it. And there's so much zeal and passion from the new, younger crowd. And we gotta, we gotta get together. This is the unity that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. And this is why we have the grow group. And we've got stuff out there that I want you to sign up for and I want you to prayfully think about it. And then we want to connect with you at the church as we have our, our membership next week. All these things happening, all stuff that we just want to plan. We're having a new Roots class that's coming up in April where if you are not exactly sure why Jesus came and died and did all the things he did, and we're very intentional about that, the main point is baptism. We want to get you to get baptized just like Jesus baptized us into his son Jesus with the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ has baptized us and made us clean. And that's why we take this communion. Because we say to God, Lord, 
I am not clean without you. And that's why we take it. And so as the worship team comes on up here, I just want to encourage you. Don't take this lightly. But don't bring anything to the table besides yourself. Don't say, God, I'm going to be a better person. Let's check that one off because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I've tried. God, I'm going to do more things. Mm-mm. Or God, if you would just, mm-mm, just come to the table and say, this is what, who I am. This is what I am. Imperfect. Addicted. Struggling. A sinner. I'm an angry person. Lord, I really don't care about my brother or my sister. That's why I'm at this table. All these things, I know I'm not perfect, but I know your son wants to walk with me and talk with me. And so my prayer is that as you come forward and as the worship team's playing, you take this time and you just, you get, I hate those words, get right with Jesus. (laughs) Because you're not going to get right. God just wants to go through you. It's that upward, inward, outward. That's what the communion's all about. So let's take communion together as a community and commune with the God who is about our family, His family. Lord, we thank You. I bless the body and the blood. And as You died on that cross, You said it is finished. There's no more things that are past it. It's done. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus who died upon that cross for me, for us, for you all. We bless you now. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.